I am Wendy Whalen, the Associate Artistic Director. Joining me is my colleague, John Stafford, the Artistic Director. And I want to welcome you, John. Thanks, we don't, Wendy. We don't usually get to talk for something like this. We talk on dirty business all the time, but we're going to close out this season of City Ballet, the podcast, and we're going to look back at some of the ballets we've been able to share digitally in this unprecedented year, like no other. But we look forward to what's coming and uh, looking forward to our return to our theater this fall. But uh, it's going to be fun to, to look back on what we've been able to do. Absolutely. It's great to be here. So I want to ask you, John, you know, we've been so fortunate to be able to create new work throughout this year and share live performances that were filmed in recent years on our stage. And what have been some of the personal highlights for you? I know you put a lot of thought into these things. I think I was really caught off guard by how emotional I would be seeing some of those first digital streams of archive performances mm-hmm. that we did. You know, we, we produced the season last spring at the early days of the pandemic as a way to provide our audiences with, you know, a, a view of New York City Ballet while our theater was shut down. And I was really surprised at how watching that first one of Allegro Brilliant, how absolutely emotional I got thinking about the fact that we would have been on our stage opening our season that very same day mm-hmm. um, in person if it hadn't been for the pandemic. And here we were watching this incredible performance. And and I was worried that you know the, the ballet would maybe look a little flat on the screen, that that edge and that energy and that vibrancy that New York City Ballet's dancers are so known for wouldn't pop, you know, like it does in in a live setting. And I was so moved to see that it did in fact pop, but that's how great our dancers are. That's how great our orchestra is. And that's how great, you know, these ballets are, that no matter how you view them, there's still real value in seeing that performance, even if it's a video of a live performance. So that was really thrilling to me to see that the quality of the company really shone through. Yeah, it was right at the, it was really pretty quickly at the point when the kind of the, the block came down of shut in and we didn't have an end in sight. So I think that emotional toll of that moment in time was made it even more like, oh my God, like we, this is what we do. And these are our dancers and look at how incredible they are. And they are unable to do this right now. And I think that it just hit differently. Yeah, I'm also really proud of the fact that we produced what ended up being eight brand new works throughout yeah. the course of the shutdown from, you know, really June until until now. So mm-hmm. in less than really in 11, 12 months, we were able to produce eight new works, which was also really thrilling as a company to provide that opportunity for these choreographers to work during a time where they weren't always able to work and our dancers. And they'd been scheduled to work. We had put them into the, we'd commissioned them all. Um, Pam Tanowitz, Jamar Roberts, Sidra Bell, Andrea Miller, and and even Justin Peck. They were all slated to work during this COVID year. So to be able to think of ways to keep the choreographers engaged, even in a small way, let them get their toes dipped into the pool because a lot of them, literally, <laughs> they did the reflecting pod to give them, find an opportunity for them to get started on what will be their work coming up this coming year. I, I felt really proud of that move as well. Yeah, it was a silver lining. They got to know our dancers a little bit. And, yeah, um, and, and we needed dan- choreographers that didn't necessarily need point shoes, you know, because we didn't have a stage. We needed choreographers that 
could transfer or create work for sneakers or, or bare feet or whatever. And so luckily, luckily, um, those five were very fully capable of going right to that direction. So absolutely, it's weirdly, weirdly, the stars aligned for us in that way. But I have to say, I remember you and Justin and I really, really thinking through how to curate the digital programming from the archives. And like you spoke about Allegro, I mean, you really, you chose that one pretty, pretty quickly for the vibrancy, but not all ballets play out with strength on a screen necessarily. So I know, I know how much work you put into figuring out, you know, which ones would pop best. And you, and I remember you and I and Justin even digging through the archives and seeing what they had, the marketing department, what they had in their catalogs and going through each cast and each each capture and trying to figure out which was the best capture, which was the most clear, you know, musically, technically. And we were trying to get every dancer on so that looking for equity and excellence at the same time was, whew, that was exhausting. And I know you put a lot of work into to really digging in to that. Yeah, I mean, it ended up being a real team effort. You know, we have to take a moment to give real credit to our digital team. Oh my gosh. Or they also had to go so through much. hours and hours of footage to see if the, the digital stream was going to be of the right quality, whether the music was captured properly, whether the camera angles were okay. You know, we ran into, we had, you may recall, we had this incredible clip of Namuna and someone in the audience stands up right in front of the camera. Oh, I remember right that. in the middle of what the clip <laughs> needed to be. It's like, seriously, yeah. this is what we're dealing with now that we can't yeah. do this clip because, you know, it's just not up to the quality that we're, that we know we need to present as New York City Ballet. Yeah. So we had to go through many hurdles, you know, in terms of figuring out exactly how to curate these seasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love what we did in the spring with full ballets with where you felt like you were sitting down at a performance. And then what we did in the fall mm -hmm. that you really curated so well was the the little tidbits, the little, or, you know, hors d'oeuvres. Excerpts, yeah. The little bites. I, I called it the candy box, remember? I was like, yeah, mm, yeah. I want to have like cream filled and then I want like a little fruit filled and then I want like a little bourbon in it, you know? So uh, that was fun. We, we were trying to feed a world audience, trying to fulfill people's desires and we, we would get feedback and I, I think we really tried to respond, right? To yeah, those. and the, yeah, it was, yeah. it was like, okay, <laughs> This audience out there, some of them have seen almost every ballet we've ever done. And then there's people out there who've never seen New York City Ballet before who are turning in. And then there's that group in the middle who are fans, who maybe lived in New York as kids, but haven't seen the company in 20 years. And so they're kind of getting a reintroduction to the company. So showing the old classics that, that people know and love and also are part of the real identity of New York City Ballet while also showing this newer work that we're doing that people would maybe not necessarily equate to New York City Ballet to see these, these most recent works that we've done. And then producing a film with Kyle Abraham, who's one of the top young choreographers, you know, in our, in the dance world today, and very much mm -hmm. in demand, you know, to be able to get him to do a film with us was huge as mm -hmm. well. And to just, you know, to see the dancers respond to the seasons that we produce when, the one, when they weren't actually dancing was really cool to see too, because they were feeling lost. 
you know, that's why, as you mentioned, the equity that we tried to find, we tried mm-hmm. to get as many dancers represented in the season as possible because their identity as dancers was really threatened by this shutdown where they weren't even allowed to come into the studio in the early months that they had to do class in their living rooms and kitchens and bedrooms and, you know, just try to find a way to keep themselves moving. And, and it, I think it provided a real boost to them to just be able to watch themselves. Lift their spirits. Stage. Yeah. yeah, and it was, you know, I think it was bittersweet for them. There was definitely some frustration and sadness that they couldn't be on the stage while they were watching themselves on the stage. Yeah. Um, but it did really, I know it, they were all tuned in, you know, right as it would launch each week, you know, each night. And I think it did help. I think it did boost the spirits of not just our audiences, but our dancers to see those recordings. And also, I know how much you navigated screen fatigue, right? We talked about that so much. We were like figuring out with our marketing director how long people were actually tuning in for, what they were sitting through, what they, you know, turned off after or how long they stayed. And, you know, certain times, you know, people were like, there was like a nine minute, like staple, like people want six, not six minutes or nine minutes. And we figured out, oh, that's where they tune out or they need a change or something. So we were trying to ride the, the surf that wave of getting away from Zoom fatigue, just fueling Zoom fatigue with some kind of different energy each time we gave something out. And um, I liked the fact that every time we did something, it was slightly different. You know, sometimes we had the the young dance, we, we would focus on the inside of New York City Ballet and giving younger dancers an opportunity to rehearse with our rep directors. I honestly really loved seeing the rep directors at work because we never get to see that. They're also often very shy. They're like, I don't perform anymore. You know, this is about the dancer, you know, don't show me, you know, but I really loved getting to see the exchanges between the three different rep directors that we had, Rebecca Crone, Katie Tracy, and Lisa Jackson with the younger dancers and with the older dancers talking about their experiences with those pieces. And I, I feel like the audiences got a lot out of that. I got a lot of good feedback from that. Yeah, me too. It's kind of a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Ballet, classical ballet can be so elusive. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's this illusion, you know, the audience sits out there in the front and they watch this perfectly curated and rehearsed and practiced event. But there's, it's hard to really understand and realize the fine-tuned and hours of hard work that go into making these productions look the way they need to look on the stage. And yeah, our rep directors are so incredibly valuable and so important to maintaining this repertoire we have of over 400 ballets. Yeah. And talk about being a kid in a candy store <laughs> you know, when we're programming, you know, it's like you're just picking, there's all these different things that we can choose from. It's a embarrassment of riches to a certain extent. But yet, you know, not everyone understands that all those ballets that we put out there have to be curated and overseen and protected by our staff, our artistic mm-hmm. staff, our repertory directors. Mm-hmm. And they do such an incredible job and they've you know, had a hard time during this pandemic as well, not being able to do what they love and what they're passionate yeah. about and what they're so good at on a daily basis. So to get yeah. them back to work and show their skill level to the world beyond and outside of our walls was really important. Ballet is intense because it takes our lifetime of commitment. And within that commitment, it's like an all day, every day practice. And there's very little time off to experience, you know, you know, 
other sides of life. And, you know, these, these rep directors go from being dancers as children through the ranks of the company to being rep directors. And then, and as just as like the dancers and we, we, I just feel like as a, as an art form, it's so much of our identity. The, these roles we play within the putting on of these performances. So I think that it was devastating to all, to all of us, you know, especially the ones, I mean, we were making things happen in different ways, but these, these artists that were, you know, they, they, they share these experiences in the studio and get the dancers on stage and just those, those identities of the dancer and the rep director and just making it happen for a live performance, that identity loss was really um, a shock and a, cha a huge challenge. And I'm just so grateful that this fall, we're gonna be back. This summer, we're gonna get going a little more and more. So, but I wanna talk about the, so sort of coming up this year, we've got a lot of rep coming up. We have three really ambitious seasons and we're starting out with some, some new works in the fall. What are you looking forward to bringing back on stage as, as, uh, throughout the seasons, but you know, once we get started. I'm really looking forward to bringing back Carnival of the Animals. Me too. <laughs> I know that was like, you were adamant to program that. I know. But that's the one that keeps sticking out of my mind yeah. because ballet needs to be accessible to everybody. And yeah. we do so many serious works and so many mm -hmm. works that are really geared towards kind of a more sophisticated ballet going adult audience because our choreography, a lot of it is so sophisticated. And Chris Wielding created this beautiful piece that families can bring their kids to as an introduction to ballet. And we just haven't done it in quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And I danced in it, you know, for many years when I was a dancer and it's just so sweet. And there we get to put, you know, one of our students at SAB, one of our talented young male students in there to play the lead. And it's just, um, it's really exciting to see that ballet come back. I'm looking John Lithgow, he's so excited. He's like doing bars to get ready yeah, to come yeah. back and make his appearance in the in the in the ballet. Yeah, original John Lithgow, like let's hope he, you know, it works out and that he yeah. returns to this role on the stage. I'm really looking forward to Chacon coming back. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. You know, one of Balanchine's classic ballets. It's just it's pure classicism. And mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking forward to opening night, challenging the dancers with uh, an ambitious opening night program after a year and a half off the stage. And then we have these new works uh, coming up by these choreographers who were, as you said before, postponed from a year ago. They've gotten to know the company a bit better. And I think they're going to hit the ground running once we start back to rehearsals with these new creations. And so excited to see them bring their works to life. Finally, we've been waiting to see these premieres for so long. So really excited to see that. You know, I think the thing I'm most excited about though is to just feel the energy in the theater. That's yeah. what I'm really most excited about. These programs that you came up with, Wendy, are so vibrant and, mm -hmm. you know, artistically carefully curated to you know, not just tell a story, but leave an audience member when they walk away with something really rich. And that's what I'm really excited to feel again is to walk out of that theater feeling moved and feeling proud and feeling like, you know, I just went on a journey. These dancers just took us on a journey that evening. And that's what we've been missing so dearly during this time off. I have to say one of my uh, tasks this spring has been with you to come up with three versions of a fall programming. 
<laughs> just in case. So we have three sets of fall programming. So we have one that's full for, you know, whatever comes, what may look, what we're planning on. And then if something happens, we have other versions. So I have to say that was honestly really fun for me to do. So I like kind of growing different ideas out of our, of our solid set fall season. So um, thanks for, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a task. great exercise. Yeah, yeah. Great exercise. We're trying to find all these silver linings and moments for us to continue learning and our leadership of the company and for yeah. us to flex those muscles, you know? And so I think outside of the box with was like, yeah, you know, really special in its own way. And so whatever restrictions are thrown at us, you know, whatever the city and state tell us we're allowed to do and all, and all that, we're going to be ready. And yeah. it was a fun process to go through. And each time it got like more efficient and yeah. happened a little faster. And so now when we're going to start programming for the following year, we're going to be ready to go. And we have, you know, great ideas of what, what we want to put out there now. Again, like we did with our digital offerings, we can take into consideration our audience, what they need, what fuels them, what what they respond to most, and try to really feed our audience well. We'll just see how that goes, and we'll we'll play it by ear, but we'll we'll be really listening to what our audience and our dancers and our you know state of the world needs. So, I think that'll be a new opportunity, actually. So, I wanted to also talk about what I'm looking forward to, which is well, everything, but I'm really looking forward to the Stravinsky Festival in the spring. So I am just, I've, my whole life as a dancer, I've been obsessed with Stravinsky. Those were my first favorite ballets. And, um, and when I was, you know, going for the position here, one of the things I offered up to the committee was this, you know, it's 50 years coming up, you know, and I was like, once I got um, into the position and, and I was helping program, I was like, can we do this? This is this would be the perfect time. So, 1972, Balanchine did the uh, first Stravinsky Festival, and uh, this coming spring it'll be 50 years, and we'll celebrate that incredible mark in uh, creative history. So I just cannot wait for that event and for Silas Farley to make his premiere uh, piece for us. Um, so he's going to be actually choreographing a new work for us and to music that was based on Stravinsky, um, just handwritten, friendly composition connection with Balanchine, but it's it's gonna be a sort of a play on communications between Balanchine and Stravinsky that were in composition form. So I think that'll be really interesting. The, the composer will be David K. Israel. And um, he, he came across these uh, this composition exchange between the two men, and um, he's gonna make a beautiful work on that with Silas, I think. So I'm super excited about that. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. when you said 50th anniversary of Stravinsky Festival, I was yeah. like, perfect. Yes. Yes. How can we not do this? Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's, it's a bit of the wealth of, of repertory we have that you know, we could really hand select the kind of the best of the best to do a really strong two weeks to celebrate this amazing collaboration kind of one-of-a-kind collaboration between a composer and a, a ballet choreographer and it's going to be a thrilling two weeks not just for the dancers but for the audiences and for you and me and we get to just sit back and watch and, and enjoy these masterworks yeah it's just 
unbelievable to look back and, and see sort of a staple of our repertory created in two weeks by Balanchine back in 1972, how quickly he created these works and how um, seminal they are to our repertory. So I just, uh, I can't wait uh, to dig into these, these works and hopefully have some coaching um, from maybe some originals. We'll see if they can come and do that. Um, but that will be really fun to um, explore that time. But I, I, I wanna also mention something that I feel so strongly about and, and very proud about is the diversity push that we've done with our new work. So we're really bringing a lot of women choreographers and choreographers of color forward. And I think that we really laid a groundwork through this time for how we're moving forward as directors together. You know, we're really, we're really aiming towards this and really focusing on this and, and the importance of it. And I couldn't be more excited for, for the choreographers that we're, we're bringing in and thinking about and offering up a, a voice to on our stage. Yeah, it's been a really important moment um, throughout this shutdown of reflection of, you know, really kind of open dialogue with our artists, with our staff, with other, you know, leadership around the country and in the ballet field, because it's, um, it's, it's, it's far late in coming, you know, we're, we're definitely, the ballet field has not always prioritized diversity of voices, diversity of, you know, um, dancers on the stage, diversity and leadership, diversity of who's, you know, telling the stories, who's making the decisions. So using this time has offered us a silver lining opportunity for really reflection. Yeah, reflection and, and real dialogue of the issues that every organization is facing. You know, we've we finally had some time and space to take a step back and look at what has not worked in the past, what barriers are in place, and really listen. You know, what kind of legacy issues have existed in the dance field that have held us back that we've never really acknowledged or taken the time to unpack. Um, so we've really done that in the past year plus. And we're entering spaces with our dancers, with our staff to, to listen, um, you know, really sit back and listen and learn and acknowledge how everyone is coming into the space differently. Everyone comes in with different experiences, with different um, identities and with different, you know, uh, moments in their life that's helped shape who they are today in both good ways and bad ways. You know, there are traumatic events that have happened to people within our community, you know, throughout their life. And they, they come into the space with that, carrying that with them and just ensuring that we're inclusive, we're equitable in our decisions and that we're listening and, and also uplifting um, when possible, these, these multiple viewpoints. It's been honestly really thrilling and I am proud of the organization for for prioritizing this work. We have a long way to go. By no means are we done or are we perfect. It's we just beginning, yeah. Yeah, it's really just beginning. But it's exciting to think about. And I, I know there are many members of our organization who are excited to kind of be a part of a new New York City ballet going forward. And that's been thrilling to see. It's time. <laughs> it's time and it's important. And there's yeah. no more like, oh, well, we'll get to that eventually. Or, oh, we're doing a little DEI work and that's enough. No, there's no more. Yeah. Or let's play it safe and let's yeah. go back to what we know has always worked in the past. That, that doesn't exist anymore. So super excited to be working with you on that moving forward. Definitely. Let me go back, John, though, because we have one more 
offering coming up, Vienna Waltzes. I am super excited that we're going to be presenting within our digital offerings. What excites you about Vienna? Why are you excited to share this with the audience? Starting with a personal note, the favorite costume, my favorite costume I've ever worn on stage is in Vienna Waltzes. You know, I was fortunate enough to get to do the lead in the Merry Widow section. And that costume is just as cool as it gets. And you just feel like a million bucks when you're out on stage in that costume. And it's such a fun role to do. It's not a ton of dancing, but you have to really walk from the moment you walk on stage, portray this tone, this certain mood, this certain character of the work. And I was fortunate to dance with some really great ballerinas in it and get to be coached by, you know, those who danced it originally. You know, I learned it um, from Peter. And I also worked very closely with Karen von Araldingen and our rep director, who had a great experience with the ballet for many, many years. You know, really, and I actually danced it with Karen in the studio um, because she would really stand up and really try to demonstrate as best as possible. So we waltzed around the room together and really felt the energy that you need to feel. So I felt very comfortable going into the role and very well prepared. But, you know, on a broader scope, Vienna Waltzes is not seen outside of New York City Ballet and really outside of the state of New York. We've really, you know, we're not able to tour it. You know, we don't license it out to other companies to do. And it's this really incredible tribute to Balanchine's company. It's a vast cast, you know, a huge cast. And he really made it in a way that was so suited specifically to New York City Ballet and the dancers he had at the time. And, and I just love it. I love the ambiance it creates. I love waltzing for a night and not having to worry about pointing my feet and straightening knees and hitting fifth position every single time and just being really swept up in the music and and transported to this this other world i do have other one other quick tidbit personal tidbit too that's not quite as fun as the costume story but i was waltzing off when i was in the core and my jacket button got connected to the scenery those legs that hang down on the the side they have netting and I got and so my my ballerina that I was waltzing with finished waltzing off and I was standing there on stage and she was like what are you doing like come off the stage I was like I can't and so I'm trying to unhook myself she runs out bows by herself runs back off I couldn't get myself unhooked and for those of you who know Vienna waltzes the scenery starts to move Mm, was going to start lifting so I'm frantically doing this and so I eventually ripped it off ripped the button off the costume and ran off stage but I could just imagine those in the audience looking at the wing and sort of I was a little obscured but I'm sure I was visible saying what is that guy doing up there on the stage standing there you suddenly turn into puck in Vienna waltzes like and then had to make something out of it and run off stage nicely and um but it's, it's a it's a ballet that's very near and dear to my heart. And I think our audience will really appreciate sitting down for about 40 minutes and just watching and, you know, hearing the beautiful music. Yeah, we, we don't have many ballets that aren't licensed out. So I think Union Jack, Vienna Waltzes are most, are two that I'm Orpheus, aware of. Yeah. Orpheus? Orpheus? It's just... licensed like once or twice before, but it's really not done. Yeah. Uh, Vienna and Union Jack, they pretty much cast the, almost the whole company on stage. So those are, it's very spectacular in that way. And uh, I think what's important to me about that ballet, these ballets in particular, is that 
it's like you become a particle in a giant sea of this of this ballet so you all just the the union the united quality of this kind of coming together to make this thing that's bigger than than any one of you is just profound and to be able to do it whether it be in a kilt with with uh with scottish music or austrian some waltzing it's just like oh it just makes you as a dancer kind of blossom and energetically so and i love what i love about vienna is just how it evolves you know ruben terartunian who designed the the sets just designed this kind of constant evolution so it's really like this garden that and the garden becomes the ballroom and the ballroom becomes this like sort of multifaceted um, um, mirroring of, so you, you duplicate every dancer is duplicated numerous times it's like this kaleidoscope it's just kind of mind-blowing so I'm just it's a really extraordinary piece and I'm super excited I do have to say that I did the polka but I really enjoyed getting to do the last waltz. And I, something I remember recently about the last waltz was that every woman's costume was, okay, similar, the, the satin dress, but the ball gown, but the necklaces were all different. So we all had a different kind of idea of jewelry and a, a different headpiece. So we could all design ourselves, which I thought was really, an awesome thing as a young dancer to kind of create your own look with what you've been given. Like this is this is your jewelry for Vienna and this is your headpiece. What are you gonna look like on top? So I love that each dancer, especially each ballerina got to sort of uh, design their own kind of look. And I also remember seeing um, the Balanchine dancer, Carol Duvet, who's now Carol Duvet Harding. She made the most <laughs> magnificent entrance every time the last waltz began. She was one of those couples that walked across the stage and she just walked across the stage like, like a Russian princess or a French fashion model. And we just all would watch her every performance as she would walk onto the stage with this kind of depth of elegance that like none of us could quite reach, but it, it was this kind of real quality of Balanchine style that I just felt like she embodied so, so remarkably. So I, I will never forget Carol Duvet and her entrance in, in the last waltz. It's a special piece. So I, it'll be exciting to see it again. The recording is from 2013. So it's a bit of a, a look back in time, which will be fun also to see the dancers performing back then. I just want to do a quote from the New York Times, an interview on Vienna. And Balanchine said, waltzing is very difficult. You cannot waltz if your body is not ready. What is difficult is to be even in time. The man doesn't turn around the girl, the girl turns around the man. The problem is using two legs in three quarter time. It would be easier if we had three legs. <laughs> so as a partner, most of us grow up as young dancers in this ballet and we learn sort of an ideal of balancing partnering, which stems from ballroom dance. And so we learn this as young dancers in this giant ballet. So what did it teach you about partnering as a man in Balanchine's world? It, it taught me so much about, it's all about the woman. You know, you have to, she's got this huge dress on, you know, she needs to be able to have a really graceful neck and head position as she's being waltzed around, she cannot get tense. And so as the man is leading the woman 
through all these different and sometimes very complex waltz movements and steps, the guy has to really work in some cases twice as hard in order to make the, the ballerina look like she's working half as hard as he is. Um, because it's all about presenting her in the right angles, the right lines, the right movement quality. And I just remember being exhausted after Vienna waltzes because you support her weight with your right hand. And I remember after coming off stage, your right form is so blown out because you're literally moving her weight through space the whole time. And you're the one who has to stay in line. You know, you have to keep your couple, the two of you in line with all the other couples while also making sure, you know, that she's swinging around you in the right way. Cause you know, what he, what Balanchine said is absolutely right. It's not her running around you, you know, or you running around her. It's, it's, it's really her, you pivoting and swinging her into each line in each position and her trusting that you have her weight and that you're going to control her weight moving in every, in all the right direction. You know, I was always one of those strong students. I was like, I can do it on my own. You know, I can do my double pirouette. I can jump. You don't need to help me. And I was always came, I came into New York City Ballet as that kind of dancer, which was good and bad because, <laughs> you know, I can do my stuff. But when it came to partnering, uh, I really, I, I had to learn a lot from the, the guy. And luckily I, I, I had some great young partners and even then later on some great older partners, but they really taught me, you got to give me your weight, Wendy. You've got to sit back and relax. You have to trust me. And that was something I had to learn was trusting somebody else to guide me and that I didn't have to drive myself. I think for a young woman dancer who's coming into the company and who's relied on her own personal skill by herself to, to achieve you know, a career, it's hard to let down that guard and let, let that trust in. So it, it's a really great ballet to practice that and to sort of establish those, that different quality that's so important to Balanchine's partnering in general. I wanna go back and just, just remember partnering with you, John, once. You were younger coming into the company and, and I was more established and, and we were both working on diamonds. So you were brand new into diamonds and I had had a number of other partners, but I was coming back from an injury and I remember you and I were kind of alone, but at different spectrums of, of experience. And I remember kind of creeping over to you. I didn't really know you. I kind of creeped over to you and I was like, do you wanna, do you wanna work on it? And you were like, okay. And we just kind of like found ourselves as like the young newbie and the, and the little bit more older, little, slightly more broken dancer, but we kind of found our way partnering together in that, in that space. I always look back on that moment with us and think about how, you know, we're partners now in this, in this kind of going forward. And I, and I kind of love that we had that, that studio experience that day. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful to be able to work so closely with you. Um, yeah, thank you. I am yeah. too. I'm so grateful in that moment. <laughs> sort of broke the ice and came over yeah. because like, I, I knew you were coming back from an injury. I had been told to just come and stand in the back and learn the ballet. <laughs> sometimes I would have a partner, sometimes I wouldn't, but it was just like, just be in the room, get to know the piece. <laughs> and that pot de is actually a perfect way to kind of slowly learn and develop some of those steps. I actually teach a lot of parts of that pot de in partnering class at school 
because it's just so good. And I, I had never, I think I had held you up in one pirouette in, in, in G major, you know, prior to that or something at that point. But I was so grateful to you for coming over and offering, you know, to help me. And you were looking to get yourself going, but you obviously yeah. clearly had an idea in mind of helping this young dancer start to get some experience. And I'll tell you, you know, my debut in Diamonds was one of my most successful ever because of the process that went into it prior to hitting the stage. I had this long process of, I worked with you a little bit. I worked with, um, you know, my eventual first partner, Sarah Mearns in the back. We had separate rehearsals. Darcy grabbed me at one point and had me partnering her in the back of Diamonds rehearsal. You know, it was just this nice build-up process. And, you know, when I was in the back of learning a Chris Wilden Ballet or something, grab one of the younger female dancers who was understanding a part and say, let's do this together. Let's work on this. Even when I was a principal, you know, because I, you actually taught me a great lesson that day of, of how, you know, just bring, you know, approaching a younger dancer and saying, let's, let's work on this a little bit together, how beneficial that can be in that moment. I know that someone had taught me that too. So I love that, you know, together we can kind of like plant the seeds for continuing that because that's the way New York City Ballet works. And I think it's really a really beautiful element of our, of our incredible institution. Yeah, so, we're all in it together. Yeah. That's what I love. Every person in that organization is fighting for a common goal, striving mm -hmm. for, working for, clawing against the, you know, the challenges and, and pulling our, all of us up together. Yeah. I love that about City Ballet. I love that about our partnership, how we can yeah. push each other, support each other, challenge each other, and, you know, to just continue to be better. And yeah. I, I am proud of the company during this time where I think there were ways we could have pulled back. We could have just rested a little bit on our laurels. We could have done what we've always done. And I think at each step, we tried to say, no, but wait, let's, let's find a new way. Even though a lot of, we can both attest to the fact that a lot of what we did was very hard. You know, there were hours and hours and hours of meetings and, and reasons why we could have just said, you know what, this is too hard for us to do right now. Mm -hmm. It's too expensive. It's, you know, this, that, and the other. But we still pushed forward. And I think it's a true, a true credit to not just the institution and how strong the actual institution is, but to all the people who work together uh, to keep City Valley moving forward, their passion for their work and, and pride in the work and pride of being a part of New York City Valley. That really shone through loud and clear um, throughout this very difficult time. Yeah, it's true. But I think we're going to have to kind of come to a close. I, um, it's been so fun to talk to you sort of not about business, but kind of about business. But um, I, I want to thank our, our audience for their continued support. City Ballet, the podcast is going to be going on a summer hiatus, but we'll be back this fall. So in the meantime, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and stay in touch. We are going to be returning to the stage on September 21st with an opening night performance. Christopher Wilden's After the Rain, Pas de Deux, and Balanchine's classics, Serenade and Symphony in C. So mark your calendars for August 1st when tickets go on sale and we're gonna see you all on the promenade in September. Thanks, John. Thanks, Wendy. <laughs>